0: It
1: the catch! ball is high and is far and has gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things
2: Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports.
1: Hello everybody and welcome into the Nosebleeds Podcast, WFUV's baseball podcast. We got a great show for you today. We got a lot going on. I am Brian Rayback, and I'm thrilled to be joined by a great group of guys here in the studio. Eli Keeler and Sebastian Seabach, and guys, I mean, this is, I believe, one of the first times in the new school year that we're all in studio, so this is great,
2: right? Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Brian. This is my first show back from break, so I'm really pumped and glad we're talking about baseball as the season kind of winds to an end.
0: Yeah, you know, you got both New York teams, you know, coming down the wire. They probably both look to be in the playoffs, you know. uh, it, It can't get better than this, honestly. You know, we're all back in the studio talking about baseball, and you got both New York teams, you know competing for that playoff spot that world championship. And it's great we're in the home
1: stretch of the season, a lot of fun baseball ahead. We got the Yankees and the Mets both in the playoff hunt and a lot of other teams as well. We'll get into all of it as the show progresses and much more. But let's start with these Yankees and I believe we have a we have a Yankee crowd in the studio today. So, we're going to really dive into this cuz they capped off a terrible, terrible month of August. They finished with a 10 and 18 record in that month. Three fifty-seven win percentage, that's really bad, and that's their worst record in a month since September of 1991 when wow. they were 9-19. Nine and 19, And you guys, that 1991 team, that's not, that's not good company now, now, to be around. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, you know, you go back to the Yankees in general, 10-18 8, in the month of August, I mean, you know, they, they were just atrocious that month. They were not losing to, you know, just, oh, really good teams. They were also losing to, like, really bad teams. And I think, you know... You look at the especially the last two series against the A's and uh the Angels, you know, you had Saturday and Sunday, in which you could have easily swept the A's, got back on track. You lost to two pitchers with ERA's over six coming into that game, and then you just lost two out of three to the Angels, who were twenty games below five hundred. So you know, and it's not it's not even like they're, you know, losing close games. They're not it doesn't even look like they're competing. Uh,
1: especially at the plate, I mean this offense has gone cold. And you mentioned that A's Angel stretch. Coming into that, as a Yankee fan, you're thinking, okay, six and one here. Or maybe take all seven. Yeah. Who knows? Cause they were they were on fire after coming back against the Mets, you know. Mm-hmm. They really kind of got things rolling again. You know, they win two games there. And then you win the first two games against the A's. You destroy them on Thursday, thirteen to four. And Yankee Nation's thinking, This team's back. We have our bombers back, they're hitting again. Everything's getting right just at the right time. And then you go three and four against the A's and the Angels. Eli, that cannot happen
2: for a team that's supposed to be competing for a championship. Yeah, and and we needed those, those games so badly because we come up to a point where our next 10 games, we got six games out of the 10 are against the Rays. Other four is a four-game series against the Twins. So these next 10 games are incredibly important, and we have zero momentum going into them. We're we're on our heels right now and we have to win some a good amount of these next ten games to really keep ourselves at the top of this division. The Rays are six games behind, which isn't super threatening yet, but if we lose, you know, four or five of these games out of the six to the Rays, we're seriously, you know, we might be in trouble. Well, you gotta think about what that division
1: lead used to be. Yeah, it's still relatively high. This was a fifteen game division lead at one point in the season. It's ridiculous. So to think that it's now six and then you have six of your next ten against these Tampa Bay Rays, where the Rays, they could easily just storm right back into it. Yep. Imagine if they sweep them this weekend. Hey, if, if it's we a three-game lead. Three games. Games. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden. So it's really unbelievable what this Yankee team is going through. And I was I was a pure positive guy when they, they went 500 in the month of July. And at that point, my thought process was, okay, whatever. 500 is probably going to be their worst stretch yeah, of the season. Yeah, it's low point. Now you get a twenty-eight game stretch in August, and you win ten of them. I mean, I think all Yankee fans going down the line, and you guys probably included, have to be a little
0: concerned about what this team's going to do
1: down the stretch.
0: I think we're a little. I think it's a little more than a little concerned. I think yeah. we're very. I think we're very concerned because you know the Yankees used to have the best record in baseball by, uh, I believe, it wasn't, four even, it ga- wasn't four, even four, four, close. Four games. At four games at one point. You know, and then now you know they're being hunted in the in their division standings and the Astros are kind of running away with the best record in the American League. So, I mean, look at the Yankees in the month of August, you know, they they've been like kind of atrocious across the board. You know, their pitching's been mediocre, their hitting is like bottom 3 in in the league, so it's uh not really good all the way around. You know, the longest losing streak they had before the month of August was 3 games. So, and then, you know, you look at it, they lost it they lost 3 or more
2: games I think four times. So, yeah and then if you have this mediocre pitching going into and you know say hypothetically you fall to a wild card spot with that with that mediocre pitching it's it's a disaster because now with these three game series you use your best pitchers at the beginning of that series even if you win the series the next series you're in trouble because you start the series with pitchers further down your your line you know what i mean so that this the win, winning the division is obviously important, but it's incredibly important if you want to make it to the World Series or even far at all in these playoffs. Because if you're, if the Yankees land in a wild card spot, I mean, it, you're just digging yourself a hole. Absolutely. I mean, it's really tough to think of what, what exactly
1: has gone wrong here. Because it's been a lot of different things, and it's always something different at a different time. In July, it was the bullpen was kind of falling apart, and Then you saw some stretches where the pitching wasn't so great. And now, I mean, this offense has really, really slowed down as of late. You mentioned it earlier, Sebastian. They were facing guys on the A's who had ERAs of six, and they were just shutting the Yankee lineup down. And some of these guys really got to step it up. I mean, Glaber Torres, since the All-Star break, has been one of the the worst hitters in the league. It's been brutal to watch. And he started off so good, too, to just see him just fall down to this— to, to where he is now. And you look at the consistency of the at-bats he's putting up. It's just been brutal, and it's not just him either. DJ mayhew has been slumping. I'm sure he will pick it up
0: because you trust D.J. LeMahieu. I mean, but, but you, you also have to factor in that he's coming off a toe injury. That's like he he's, is, he's, yeah. playing, he's playing through injury. It's basically the same thing as last year. So And Rizzo's got the back injury, and he— Yeah, yeah I know
1: he had a couple of games with the home run at yeah. the start of the Angels series, and, but and overall, and Stanton, yeah, he really has not gotten yeah, to the swing of things since coming yeah. off of the injury. And that's a guy who really needs to get going because they need Stanton in that— We, talk, we talked about it all the time when Stanton was out. They they need this guy back
2: and you feel that even he's back now, yeah. You still need him back. Yeah. You still yeah. need that unstoppable guy back. And and even with all the people who are playing through injuries, there's still injuries that, you know, are keeping players off field like Matt Carpenter. I know we miss Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter is sorely missed in that lineup Seriously. right now. Seriously. And then relievers and pitchers, I mean Abreu, Efros, and Castro I think are all starting pitching programs soon or have started pitching programs, but I mean we can always, like we need them. We need Nestor's hopefully coming back in a little bit, but like we're sorely missing all of our injured players, which is a long list. I mean, not only
0: that, you know, in order to actually like, compete against the best of the best, you also need guys to step up. Like, you look yeah. at a guy like Josh Donaldson, who you know, was supposed to be a strong factor you know, at the beginning of the season. He hasn't really been hitting all season. So, I mean, he's been hitting low 220s. He's just been bad for, for this long. And then, you know, you've got Aaron Hicks, who... You know, he was coming off injury last season. You did. You didn't really know what he was going to get this season. He has been terrible. He lost his starting job. This is a guy who signed a, a seventy million dollar extension for seven years. So he's been terrible. How's that contract looking? <laughs> uh, yeah. He's been terrible. He's gotten like one hit, I think, in the last fifteen days. So.
1: Jeez. And he, and he's lost consistent at bats completely. I mean, exactly. He's, yeah, he's no, just lot constantly lot. sitting on the bench now. He's got to start last night, but really for the most part, he's just he's just a bench he's just a bench guy now, and they're gonna let Aaron Judge play center field as much as they want. And another guy who has become a real big topic, especially after last night, Isaiah Kiner Falefa making oh. making an error at shortstop. Brian, your favorite player. My yeah, my favorite <laughs> player in the world, as I've mentioned off the air. But he's he's really just he's really had a tough go of it and he's kind of been thrown in the line of fire because the Yankees, they have shortstop Oswaldo Peraza in their, Os- Oswald Peraza, I got mixed up with Os- Oswaldo Cabrera, but Oswald Oswal Peraza in their AAA system, who's crushing the ball? He's killing it. He's been, like, what more does he have to prove at the yeah. AAA level, and he's still sitting in the Yankees minor league system? And I actually really want you guys' take on that. Like,
0: what can, what reason is there for Oswald Oswal Peraza to still be at AAA? I-, I think, you know, there's only one reason that comes into it, and that's service time. Yep. You know, that, that's the ga- that's, what the, what's the game been, that's what the game has been for years now yeah service time because you know they want they want that one extra year that they can get out of him so you know and that, other than that there's no good reason and it's
1: frustrating because at the end of July start of August people were saying hey Oswald Peraza is one of your top prospects you've been holding on to him for you've been bending over backwards to hold on to this guy turning down trade offers you know shutting down Luis Castillo to keep this guy in your system and now when your shortstops aren't getting it done and you could you could use a guy in AAA on who's killing the ball on your roster and they're just not doing it. And look at look at the Orioles right now. The Orioles they're bringing up guys even though, you know, they're not probably going to make a run of the World Series. They need they're trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to win games and they're bringing up the best available guys in their system. So Why can't the Yankees do it? Why can't the Yankees at least make room on their roster
0: for him and see what he's got? I mean, you look at, you know, you you bring about, you talk about the Orioles bringing players up. I mean, you look at, you know, because before they brought players up, you already had people questioning why they didn't bring their players up. Now they brought their players up. They're playing so much better. I mean, you look, I think Adley Rutschman was, you know, one of their top prospects that they brought up. And he's, like, proven to be, like, one of the top five catchers in the American League. He's been, so, yeah, he's been terrific. Yeah, yeah, especially defensively. So, And then they brought up Gunnar Henderson yesterday. He had a home run in his debut. So, I mean, if you're the Yankees, you know, you can't just ride the ship with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, which uh, it's not going to work in the postseason. He's probably. not going to be the shortstop. He shouldn't
1: be the shortstop come playing time. So I'm wondering how they're going to do it. Realistically, I don't think Peraza is going to be on this roster in September. That's so unfortunate. I know he's been killing it, but I, I really don't think that
2: they're going to do it. And as you as you said, the Orioles calling up players and playing well since July and August, they have the best record, better out of out of like the Rays, Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, out of this wild card situation in the American League. It's like they they're playing as good or better than anyone. Which is which is absurd. So, is is the service time? This is a question for the Yankees. Obviously, is the service time really worth, you know, losing that playoff spot and falling to a wild card, or, you know, like I don't. It obviously isn't, but I don't know. I think he and it was it was
1: that same thing with sending down Ron Marinaccio because he had options. Was putting one of your best relievers in AAA really more important than winning games because Albert Abreu didn't have any more options and you wanted to keep him on the team? It's just this mindset that they have. It's so odd, and I hope the urgency picks up because you're in the month of September, and now your division lead's not so secure. It's still six games, but if you scuffle a little bit against these next games against the Tampa Bay Rays— it's going to get shorter real quick and things oh, yeah. could get very interesting. And there's been a lot to criticize for the Yankees as of late, but I don't think anyone can criticize the work that Aaron Judge has been doing Mm-mm. all season. You know, he went through a little bit of a stretch, 10 whole games where he didn't hit a home run. That was the big thing. And now he's just <laughs> right back at it. He had a couple of home runs in this Angels series. His stats now on the season 296. He's got 51 home runs, 113 RBIs, both those lead the league, leads the league in walks, leads the league in on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS, and total bases. You could just run down the list of accomplishments that this guy has this year and what he's doing. He's right up there with Roger Maris, and even after all this, you say all this, there's still a debate as to whether he's the AL MVP or not, because the Yankees just saw... Shohei Ohtani and know him all too well after he hit the three-run homer last night. So it's a really interesting debate that I really want your guys' take on, the Judge versus Ohtani thing. Personally, I think Judge, he has to be the favorite. There's no way. But I can see how you also make the case for Ohtani because when you talk about most valuable, what's more valuable than a guy that is an elite hitter and an elite pitcher at the same time? So to play devil's advocate, you can make the case for Otani, but I do want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Eli, I'll start with you.
2: I, I think that's, like, when you break down the word most valuable player, it kind of makes sense. But as you know, it, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Is your team successful? Angels team, no. Um, Shohei also, it's like, if you're going to use the the unicorn argument, I guess it could be referred to as, that he can hit and pitch, you can't, you can't just use that every year. He's going to win... Exactly. He's going to win a You might as well like,
1: just lock Otani in for the next
2: 10 years. Yeah, the it's, that's ridiculous. And on top of that, Judge is playing center field now, which of course isn't pitching, but he's still an absolute factor in the field. It's not like he's struggling defensively. Of course not. Like, like, Judge is an unbelievable offensive and defensive player. And even though center field is not pitching, he's still just all over the place all the time.
0: All right, yeah. So here's my take on it, honestly. So most valuable player, I think, you know, if you're valuable, I think you're contributing contributing to a team that's winning. Yeah. First of all, Aaron Judge is on the Yankees. The Yankees are winning. The Angels are losing, uh, although not last night and not the first game. Yeah, that's. But the Yankees are on a winning team. The Angels are a losing team. The other thing I have in mind is that you know, oh, it's like it, it's kind of analytically driven, and I think, you know, once that that one thing that kind of likes uh, that people kind of like to closely look at is war. Aaron Judge's war. Is higher than Shohei Ohtani's. Aaron Judge's WAR hitting, and defensively, is higher than Shohei Ohtani's WAR hitting and pitching combined. Aaron Judge's WAR is at 7.8. Ohtani's at 7.3. But so, that is
1: that is a little tough because Ohtani, he pit he's a pitcher and yeah yeah WAR, yeah, no. war to pitchers isn't exactly on the same wavelength because Ohtani's pitching once every five days. Yeah, but
0: still, like. Degrom had a 10 WAR in his Cy Young in his first Cy Young year. That's crazy, as a pitcher. Man. Yeah. So, and you also have to and,
1: take into account that Judge is playing defensively every single night. Yeah, like when yeah. O- when Otani's not pitching, he's DHing, and he's yeah. still obviously a force in that lineup. Yeah. But what Aaron yeah. Judge does in center field, the fact that he's transitioning to center field, as Eli mentioned, yeah. has been astounding this year.
2: Oh well, just he's still hitting dingers. Like it, it like like that's my thing is that he's just not phased by anything no it's it's just no matter what he's gonna go even if the rest of his team is lacking he's performing I think that's what it is too even as these Yankees struggle one team can't carry but he's still he I mean he's still producing enough and still keeping himself in the you know the home run conversation too yeah
1: and he this home run conversation I mean you want to talk about it he's right there at the pace with Roger Maris to get 61 and break the all-time record. So if he has the, the all-time American League record and Yankee record and possibly the real record if we're talking about non-steroid users with the with Bonds and Maguire and all that. But if you take if Aaron Judge hits 63 home runs, drives in 140 runs and they still give the MVP to Otani, yes. I know you can make the case for Otani and I'll see your argument, but I will be
2: livid if they yeah don't give judge the mvp and all all these things tie in like mvp home run race and playoffs for me if there are two there are two things that could happen in my mind it's like i mean these are the far right and left of the spectrum but i'm gonna go on a little side tangent here but one of the most important things when tallying home runs one of the things that we've seen that that puts the players up with like you know 70 73 up there with Mark McGuire Barry Bonds Sammy Sosa even like 66 is you finish the season incredibly strong in the last 30 games you hit just like you you you're better than you were in the middle of the year even like you just you finish incredibly strong one of the reasons Babe Ruth is down at like 59 54 is because he's finished those seasons not as strong he still hit 59 home runs it's ridiculous but we need to see now if yeah, how Aaron Judge finishes this last month.
0: I'm I mean you kind of look at Judge's history. He also has a tendency to finish off very strong. Look at his rookie year, he had yeah. 15 home runs. like it was a question of whether he'd even make it to 40 home runs. He had 15 yeah. home runs in the month of September and then last year, of course, yeah. he had 10 home runs in the month of September. So, you know, Judge tends t- to do very well down these last month stretches, so it's just a matter of whether or not he can stay healthy. And as we kind of
1: wrap up this Judge O'Tani debate, I wanna bring up two numbers here and to kind of measure the value of these guys. Win win probability added, this is what I'm looking at here on the site. So when you talk offensively, Judge is at five point eight in the numerical wins probability added for the offensive player. Otani is one point four. So Judge clearly has been at a totally different, in a totally different league than Otani offensively. But you do have to take into account that Otani pitches too. So you take Otani's 1.4 on offense, and then he's at 2.7 pitching. So add that up together, how good am I at math? 4.1 in total, win probability added. Still less than Aaron Judge. Less than Judge. So Judge, if you look at that value, he's still providing more of a chance for his team to win yep. by just being there. And it's not the same, it's not the same as Vlad last year. I, it crushed me to see Vlad not get an MVP nod last year after the season he had. But come on, Aaron Judge is going to hit 65 home runs. Yeah. And, compared to what the 48 that Vlad hit last year or 46, it's just it's just not the same year. What Aaron Judge is doing, we haven't seen it before. So
2: especially if he hits 15, the Yankees keep their playoff spot, even extend their lead. Like if he turns momentum for the Yankees in this last month. Hits fifteen home runs, there's no way you can't give it to him.
1: Well, it'll be an interesting last month of the season for the Yankees is what looked like a sure lock hundred win playoff team. They're gonna make the playoffs, but a sure lock first round bye team. All of a sudden now it's looking
0: not even a little questionable. Not even a division, not even a
1: lock to win the division. No, that's yep. still in question. So we'll see how that plays out. On the other side of town, things are a little more secure with the New York Mets and they keep winning they just keep winning and they're beating the Dodgers. They beat them 2 to 1 last night. DeGrom filthy once again. 7 innings. Yep. Just one run. He brings that season ERA down to 1.98 and that and his whip is at 0.55, which is ridiculous. So him coming back to that rotation has just solidified themselves as a the powerhouse and that season series right now is 3 3 games apiece between the Mets and the Dodgers. But realistically, is there anything that the Mets have to prove by winning the season series against the Dodgers?
2: Because I'm pretty sure guys they've shown already that they can hang with the best of the best. I I know they definitely can, but it's it to sorry, to start this month off with a win against the best team in baseball, record wise at least, that would be huge. That's I think it's a momentum thing above everything else. Is that, you know, you're one one against the Dodgers this series, finish the series strong, win the game, go into this month just on a just Freight train, you can run through everybody else. Keep your spot. They're definitely gonna keep their spot at the top of the division. I think, even though numbers wise they're only three games in front of the Braves, I I think they keep their spot at the top. That first round buy is incredibly important, as we know. And with momentum like that going into the last month and into the playoffs with the buy, it's they could go all the way.
0: Yeah, I think you know it's kind of different from the Yankees. You know, the Mets are only three games up in the Braves, but they're also playing much better. Yeah. So. You know, they're playing against much better teams. They're, like, it's just that, you know, the Braves are also a very good team, so they're competing with the Mets. But, you know, the Mets, I, I think they're proven now at this point. Absolutely. in this point in the season, they're proven to be a real threat. And I think, you know, the one opponent that is really stand the two opponents that are really standing in their way are, are the Braves and the Dodgers. I would say
1: more so the Dodgers, though, because they've handled the Braves pretty well this season. And I know, you know, we'll see come playoff time, but overall, when the Braves and the Mets have played each other. The Mets have handled them really well. So it really just comes down to, can they handle the Dodgers in a seven-game series? And right now, season series, even at three games apiece, I think they're showing that they can. So we'll see what they do going forward. And the it's it's three games, the Braves, so it's not a big lead. But I'm just going to advise everyone listening here, we're recording this Thursday, September 1st. <laughs> go, go look at the Mets' remaining schedule. Just take a look at it. Me, I was looking at it earlier today, and it's it's unfathomable to think that this schedule, they got blessed with this schedule. So they get through this series against the Dodgers today at four, 4 o'clock. Let me read you their net opponents series by series in the month of September. Start with the Nationals, worst team in baseball. Then you go to the Pittsburgh Pirates, then the Marlins, Cubs, Pirates again. You see your your first good team in the Brewers for three games. Not even a playoff team. Not even a playoff team as of right now, but a solid team. And then then you go to Oakland to play the A's. Worst team in the American League. Two games against Miami. Then at the end of, of September and early October, you get three games against the Braves. We'll see how much those games mean depending on how both teams play in the month of September. And then you get the Nationals again. So pretty much except for six games, they're playing nothing but awful team so you would think that looking at this schedule and the Braves schedule I I look they play the Phillies a couple of times so their schedule is tougher you would think that the Mets should have a cakewalk to winning the NLEs in the month of
2: September. They they would have to just throw it all away even to make it to the wild card right now I I think I I don't think it'll be close by the time they get to that three-game series against the Braves and I don't think that like, the three-game series against the Brewers, you pointed out it's significant. And the Brewers are a good team, but they've been struggling. So, I mean, that's another team that's good, but they could still just run right over.
0: Yeah, but the Mets are clearly better. So. Yeah, no. I agree. mean, you look
2: at the Braves, you know, they don't
0: – I mean, other than the Mariners and the Phillies and the Mets, of course, they don't really have, like, the toughest schedule either. I mean, they also play the Nationals a couple of times, the Marlins. That's the benefit of playing in the and NL the East, East as well. Teams. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know – I mean, as long as the Mets keep pace, you know, with with how much they're winning, uh, they should win the division.
1: And they haven't struggled to beat bad teams all year, and they're they're even they're beating the good teams. So, a lot is going right for the Mets, and that pitching, as we mentioned with Degrom, there it's just it's just unstoppable. That a lineup so good like the Dodgers had so much trouble against Degrom last night. Only one run, and it was a home run by Mookie Betts, who's one of the best hitters in the league. So. The Mets are rolling. And before we move off the Mets for a second, uh, can we just talk about Timmy Trumpet coming in there last night and playing the live version of Narco for Edwin Diaz? I mean... This is just crazy that it's gotten to this point in culture. I mean,
2: Edwin Diaz has really just taken <laughs> it, over the world. It, it's like it gets shivers when you hear it. It, it, it mm. was it was really, it, it, even as a Yankees fan, it was a really cool thing to watch I can acknowledge head. a cool walkout song when yeah. I hear it, so and I got to tip my cap to Edwin Diaz. Especially, like, he's as good as his walkout song. Like, it's just perfect that, that him and his walkout song are matched together because the song's so good, he's so good, and it's just like you get shivers and chills when you hear it coming because you don't want to see him.
1: Exactly, and I mean... When he, come, when he comes into the game, you know the game is over. And that's probably what the Dodgers were last night with the 2-1 two, two, lead, down 2-1, and then Edwin Diaz comes in. So there's a lot of fun going on with the Mets right now. And, you know, we talk about the Mets holding on to their division lead. So we kind of established that the Mets kind of have the NL East wrapped up. And also, I think we're in agreement there that they're not going to blow that lead. Elsewhere, there's a couple of divisions still in play. I mean, obviously... You look at the AL West, the Astros, they're gonna win that division. There's no question the Dodgers are winning in the NL West, but elsewhere there's a bit of a debate and you got a couple of close races, such as, you know, the NL Central. The Cardinals I don't think the Cardinals are gonna give this division up. The Cardinals are red hot right now and you know Goldschmidt and Arenado are just an unstoppable duo at the top of that lineup and you even got guys like Lars Newtbar who are <laughs> you know yeah who are hitting well right now, and then our old friend Jordan Montgomery has been he had a rough start I believe on Saturday, but outside of that he's been dominant for the Cardinals. So this team's been really good, and I think in the month of September, if this team gets hot, they could be a dark horse to kind of win the
2: World Series. And like I saw a stat about Lars Nootbaar, like he is a top five on base percentage in the last like month or two, like out of everyone in the entire league, which is just like ridiculous. Like, I would not have expected that, obviously. And the way that the Brewers are playing right now, I don't think there's any way they catch the Cardinals. Um, The Cardinals, I think, I I kind of agree. I like the Cardinals. I think they could kind of be a sneaky... I don't know if they go all the way, but I think they could be a sneaky uh, sneaky team deep in this playoff run.
1: Did anyone expect the Braves
2: at 88 wins to
1: win the World Series last year? No, sir. When you had the Giants winning 107 games and the Dodgers winning 106? Braves win in an eighty eight and win the World Series. So and and this Cardinal team's better than that. I mean, they have an amazing lineup, and then they got some really good pitchers as well. Adam Wainwright's still been really good. And if Jordan Montgomery can continue to give them what he's given them, when he's given them, and then that bullpen, Ryan Hesley is just unhittable. He is an unhittable closer in this league, and because he throws one he, he's like he's like Edwin Diaz with almost better because he's throwing 103 miles an hour. And if he if he's on, he's going to blow it right by guys. So the NL Central, I would watch out for the Cardinals in that division. You look elsewhere, the closest division is the AL Central. And this is, I know, the AL Central has been the worst division in baseball for I think a long time now. A lot of the AL Central division winners, you always kind of look at them going to the playoffs and think, eh, who who are they really? And that's kind of what you're looking at now. The Cleveland Guardians lead that division by one and a half games. Minnesota Twins right behind them, and then you got the White Sox, five games behind them. I think the White Sox are dead. I think the White Sox have just they've been reeling way too much. They've had their chances to come back and kind of strike, but overall they're just not making anything happen. So I think it's a race between the Twins and the Guardians and. Really, I thought this was the Twins division for a while, but the Guardians are kind of showing that they they might be a better team. The,
2: they might be a more complete team. The, the Guardians like really nice, but I I I don't want to count this Twins team out because they they don't have Buxton right now. But you get him back kind of in the middle of the month, maybe hypothetically, and then you're you're looking at kind of I don't know. Maybe he can add some momentum to this team. I'm I'm really intrigued how like. At the end of the month, how close this can be, I feel like this is going to be really close. Even throughout this whole month, it's going to be close. And then right at the end, it's going to be like someone wins by a game or two. So I'm even though probably whatever team comes out of that division, it's not going to be, you know, they're not going to go deep in the playoffs. You no. never know. But, like, I, I'm still intrigued by that divisional race.
1: Yeah, and I, I do like the Guardians. They got some nice offensive players. I mean, Jose Ramirez has been terrific. Andres Jimenez is just breaking up, broke out as like a really solid piece in that lineup. Got him in the Francisco Lindor trade, which might be the biggest win win scenario for both teams. You know, the Mets get Lindor and the Guardians get a great player who's been tearing the cover off the ball for them. But this Twins lineup, if you add Byron Bucks in this lineup, it's one of the best in the entire league. When you add him, Carlos Correa, Luis Arise, they have a lot of really good hitters in that lineup, and there's no real hole. But it'll come down to pitching for them, and we'll see how that plays out. And then this div- the division that we thought was wrapped up for a while, and all of a sudden it's looking bleak. This AL East is still in play with the Rays six games back. So we kind of discussed it a little bit, but are the Yankees going to blow this lead? We'll give our predictions now. Sebastian, start with you. Are the Yankees... Are they in trouble here or are they gonna
0: pull this one out? No, I think they're gonna pull this one out. I, I still I still am under the belief that, you know, they're they're in a I wouldn't say a little bit of a funk. They're in a really big funk. It's it's but, been it's been but, a long enough period where it's not I, a little I, bit. I I still think they're gonna pull out with a division win. Maybe yeah, it might be by four games, might be by eight. I still think regardless, I think they're gonna pull out with a division win.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think I I think I I can't see us like all I mean I would love to to see the Yankees all of a sudden turn it around and really start performing like like winning these next series against the Rays. But even if we split like three three against these Rays over the next six games, I still see us winning. No harm, series. no harm done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You you take that and you know we can win the twin series. We can win series after that. So really, if we just get through these Rays series without dropping. Games I think will be fun.
1: And I'm gonna agree with you guys. I think this would be a monumental collapse if the Yankees blew this division lead. And yep. they're lucky they still have a six game lead as bad as they have played. And I think they're gonna they're I think they're gonna get better as the month of September progresses. They're too they're on paper too good of a team to really just collapse and blow this thing, so I think the Yankees, they're going to they're gonna pull this one out. And they'll have that first round by going into the postseason, and we'll take it from there. Not sure how they're going to really fare in the whole postseason, but that's a discussion for a different day. And then obviously with a month left, you're going to get a little more added chaos with uh, the wildcard teams. And the wild card race in both the American League and the National League, they're both pretty interesting, and we talked about it a little bit before with the Orioles and – We discussed them a little bit. They're two games out, two games behind the Toronto Blue Jays, and then the Mariners and the Rays are there as well. And Guys, I don't know about you, but I was really kind of not buying into the Orioles Kool-Aid for a long time. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great story that they're right there as a playoff team despite having not a shred of expectations coming into the year. And you look at them now, but... I think with a month left to play, I'll, I'll take a look at their schedule, but with a month left to play, I think they really could do it. Like this, They're playing like a pretty complete team right now, and I think if they're getting hot at the right time, they could definitely squeak by Toronto for this
2: uh, last wildcard spot. Yeah, and, and all five spots are within like five games. so It, it, you, it could be a complete mix-up of who we see in those top three spots. You never know what team is just going to finish incredibly strong, which team is going to slump in this last month and if you slump for even a few games all of a sudden you're out of the wild card so you got to be on your game the Orioles have been so I I could see the Orioles definitely sneaking uh, in
0: I mean you know the or it, like I think you know the best way to gain ground is head-to-head matchups the Orioles mm-hmm. played the blue Jay seven times in the month of September yep. so if they go let's say they go five and two I think they got it yep. I think they got it because you know you know you look at the the remaining schedule, you know, the, oh, they play the Guardians. Are okay, who are, are pretty good. I mean, they played the they played the Astros. Again. They just took a series yeah, I mean, from yeah, the, the Astros. They, they took a series from the Astros exactly. And then they play. Oh, the Red Sox your last place team. The Nationals, the Tigers, uh, the Red Sox again. The Yankees, of course. And but like, you know, but the
1: Orioles, they shouldn't be overwhelmed really by any of these. No, any of these teams because no. at this point, you gotta accept the fact that they're they're, okay. they're they're a good team. Yep. they're playing they're playing really well for a while. Exactly. It's pretty like, much since around the end of May, they've been when, one of the better teams in the American League. When they've had the 13-game winning streak. Exactly. So, the Orioles, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. And I think that they could definitely take the Blue Jays' spot. I mean, yeah. the Blue Jays, they have a number of issues. Outside of Alec Manoa, their pitching really just isn't giving them enough. And I think that that could be what really hurts them. And you got guys in that lineup underperforming, too. Bo Bichette's not really having a great year. And then George Springer's been in and out of there with the injuries. So I think that the Blue Jays could fall out of this. And I'm going to say... Uh, it's, tough, it's tough to say, but... Because it's bold, it's bold to say that the Orioles are going to make it. And you know what? I'm going to go bold and say that they're going to. They're going to get that sixth wild card, or the third wildcard spot. And I think the Mariners and the Rays will kind of maintain their spots. And as for the National League...
0: Well first of all, I'll throw it to you guys. You think the Orioles are gonna do this? I think so. I, I think so. I think, you know, they're gonna take five they're gonna take five of seven from Toronto. If they do that,
2: I think they got it. So And and even you were talking about Manoa being the bright spot. He they lost to the to the Angels with him starting, and of right. course that happens You're but, absolutely but right. those are games you have to win if you have Manoa on the mound. So I think the Orioles could take that spot. I even think the twins I don't think that I think the Twins the Twins their
1: their path is the it's AL dead. Central. Uh, yeah. That's the only that's their yeah. only path in. I just can't see a AL Central team grabbing that wild card spot. You are going to tell me the AL Central is going to
2: have two playoff teams? I I don't think it could I don't think it will happen, but the Twins are no, are, are only 3 games behind the Blue And games, no so. AL
0: Central team has grabbed a, play, a wild card playoff spot since the Twins. N- no. So who weren't even and, and that and that was that the year they played the Yankees in the wild yeah.
1: card game. They won like 84 games that year. Yeah, they won 85. Yeah. So, so they, they
0: weren't even 10 games over
1: 500. <laughs> so the, yeah, the AL Central. I'm not really wor- worried about them in the slightest. And then we'll quickly go over to the National League. The Braves are obviously going to be there. So then it's really just a battle between the Phillies, the Padres and the Brewers and they're three teams battling for two spots. And I think the Phillies and the Padres are going to get these spots. I think the Phillies have been playing really good baseball as of late. They are prone to a late-season collapse every year, but...
0: They have Bryce Harper back.
1: Bryce Harper's back, and their pitching's been very good. And it just matters that that bullpen can hold up, but it has. And if you get good starts and that lineup gets going, I don't think he's going to beat them. And then it just comes down to, are the Padres... Are they going to choke this one away like they did last year? Because that's exactly what they did and I think the Brewers the Brewers don't really scare me enough to get this last spot. They're two and a half games out, and I don't see them making this up in the last month because the Brewers, they, they just have a lack of offense. There's no, there's no one in that lineup that really scares you unless you're talking about Christian Yelich four years ago, <laughs> which you're obviously not. They got great pitchers, but I think this is a Padres vehicle going forward, and the Brewers are going to be on the outside looking in.
2: Yeah, I I think the Phillies have got it locked, and I think it's really just Padres, Brewers, and as you said, they've got great pitching. But as of recently, it's been not as great as it should be or could be. So I think if that continues into this next month, I think it's the Padres' spot as well.
0: I think it's the Padres. You know, I mean, they had six wins in the month of September last year, but I think this year, you know, six wins in the month of September—that's yeah, that's crazy. But I mean, it's not it's not looking like that this year with
1: Juan Soto, Manny Machado, and nope. just every that offense. If that gets going, it's going to be one of the best offenses in the National League. But that will do it for this week's Nosebleeds podcast. We thank you all for tuning in and listening with us today. You can look on Apple Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast for this episode and all episodes of the Nosebleeds podcast. So, from Sebastian Seabach and Eli Keeler, I'm Brian Rebeck saying so long and thank you all for listening. The Nosebleeds podcast is a production of WFUV Sports.